It's time for Geek Gamer Weekly. Center of the most calculating intelligence on Earth. The Uber Podcast, just for geeks and gamers. We have news for the beautiful people. There's a lot more of us in our view. With your hosts, Joseph Falby. Men wanted to be like him. Women wanted to be with him. John Kessler. He will be talked about in the same way that Rockefeller and Carnegie and, and Ford are talked about. And Chase Nunes. For your information, butthead, he's headed for the video championships in Los Angeles. Now, live from Earth. Everything that happens now is happening now. What happened then? When? Just now. It's Geek Gamer Weekly. This is Geek Gamer Weekly, episode 225, recorded on Sunday, January 6, 2013. The CES 2013 preview and more. Geek Gamer Weekly is brought to you by Personas and the Personas Studio Live 1602 Digital Mixer that provides a complete solution for live and studio applications. For more information, visit personas.com. Hey everybody, welcome again to another edition of Geek Gamer Weekly. This is the Uber podcast for geeks and gamers. Happy New Year. I know this is our very first show of 2013, or 2013 as I like to argue it with some of my friends. Uh, we got a great panel. We got a great show. We're having a lot of fun. If you if you miss out on the pre-show, you, you might want to follow us when we do these things because sometimes we don't get started for like 30 or 45 minutes because we have nothing else better to do than just BS. My name is Chase Nunes, and we got, like I said, a great show lined up for you. A huge show. A big show. <laughs> Starting off first here in the studio, John Kessler. By the way, uh, give your prayers to John Kessler. He's not feeling well. He's actually got flu-like symptoms, as they say. So he can't make it. His first week, he's missed in a long time. But stepping up to the plate, filling in the big seat over there, Jupiter Broadcasting's own Chris Fisher. Hey, Chris, how are you? Chase, I'm just ducky. Sweet, man. Very nice. Very nice. You're looking good in your sport coat. Thank you. Thank you. I thought I would represent, try to respect. You should uh, respect. Yeah. Is, that, is that corduroy? Yeah. It is. I, I didn't, <laughs> well, because I figured I wouldn't dress too much. I, I have a suit jacket, but I figured that'd be too much. But corduroy is still like, I'm, I'm showing up. I'm wearing a jacket. I'm respecting you. You're respect, respecting the respect. And I'm respecting the new studio. You like it? I do. do it's my like first time here. I that's my favorite part. It is. It is. Nice. It is it my favorite feels part. Like, feels so nice. It is good. I really like it. Thank it's exactly you. what I would do. Really? It is. Yeah. That took a while to wire, but I mean, once I figured it out. Can you do one in my place? I could. All right. I'm, I'm, I did one in my wife's. I office actually too. want to put one in the studio. It's a great idea. And by the way, if you look inside, those are energy efficient bulbs. I need to consult with you. You. We can consult after the okay. show. I am small nominal fee. Uh, also. Joining us this week, as always, from the Oregon Bureau of Technology, Gaming, Research, and Development, the CEO of said place, Joe Falby. Hey, Joe. Hey, hey how's it going? Good, buddy. Good. Uh, uh, wearing a different hat every show, and this week it's the San Diego Zoo. Yep. This is these are them. Um, I well uh, on Minecraft, I wore my uh, my Disney hat. Yep. <laughs> which uh, I got in Disney World last week. <laughs> oh, surprise. <laughs> and uh, so this time I figured I'd wear my San Diego Zoo hat, which you mean I got Disneyland, at the San Diego Zoo. Right? I imagine that. You mean uh, Disneyland, not Disney World. Yep, sorry. Disney, well, Disney, whatever it is. California you two Adventure, are Disneyland, so adorable. You are so adorable. <laughs> Look at you correcting him I, on his I, story. Just I, like I, a about getting, I, I actually should have gotten a California Science Center hat. I didn't. Oh, but I really yeah. should have with the Endeavor shuttle on it and everything. Mm -hmm. Would it have a Toyota logo on that as well? 
Uh, I don't think Toyota paid enough money for that. Oh, okay. They only paid enough money to tow the shuttle for like 500 feet. That's called that's hat money. Yeah, we call that hat money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they needed that's that's the extra million dollars that they didn't bother spending. Yeah. Uh, by the way, our chat room is wondering, the CEO of where? It's the Oregon Bureau of Technology, Gaming Research, and Development. Ah. It changes every every other episode. Well, so. there's mergers and acquisitions. <laughs> no, it's because Chase forgets exactly what he put in last time, so he puts in something a little different the next time. Well, there's, it's actually not on your lower third anymore. I just oh, I yeah. just put payback in Minecraft. Don't we have somebody else on the show? Yeah, we do, but he's not important. Here yeah. he is, folks. <laughs> in, yeah, right. in glorious 1080p. Uh, in Technicolor, but, too. In Technicolor. And that is, that is not a green screen. He's actually in front of a real shower curtain. Fresh from the shower. Here he is, John Bub, Suncast. What's up, buddy? How are you, John? Yo, what up? We had to have a John on the show this week. It would yeah. feel very weird if we didn't have a John somehow, some way on the show. I think this is my second time on a show with John, too. With uh, John from... Uh, really? You guys were on the show together? Yeah, yeah. That, that is yeah. not Once coincidental. Once before, I think. Dude, you and I should start a show together and just screw these guys. Yeah. Well, would it be well, called like Linux Action what, Show yeah, or something? We can start, we can start that Kickstarter show on GEOFQ Network. You got uh, it, buddy. You got it. <laughs> Kick the Q out is oh, uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. animosity. Yeah, I know. Whatever. Hey guys, let's hey, do, let's let's talk about some geek topics now. There's some little show happening this week, which mm. is called the Consumer Electronics Show. That's mm -hmm. happening in Las Vegas, but that's not going to be our top story this week. Ooh. That's not. That is not what we're going to start. I would have thought that would be the top story. I know, but yeah. since we have so many stories about CES okay. this week, okay, I wanted to lead off with this story. Okay, and the and the department of I wonder what they're thinking. Oh, so put your put your head in their department for a minute. For those users who are using Windows Phone, if you try to go to maps.google.com, uh, I heard about this. You are being redirected to Google.com. Now, Google is saying that they're not going to redirect anymore, but the reason why that they were redirecting in the first place is because... Wait, can I guess? Go. You, 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 do you not know about this? No, I have not read the rationale, but okay, is it to preserve right. user experience because the user experience has not yet been redefined for the Windows phone? That's a very close no, okay. answer. Okay, what is it? But what that's not it? actually the answer. No, I know. What is it? What I was trying it? to make them feel good, No, Joe, no, I mean, mean, if that's not yeah. what it is, maybe it's better because if that's what it is, I was going to give them such a hard time. Now, do, do, you, do you want me to read the quote normally, or do you want me to read it in a style that a marketing person yeah, would Yeah, no, like you're, like like the person that wrote it, how they would say oh, it. Yeah. Okay. Like just now, just to let you know, we periodically test Google Maps compatibility with mobile browsers and make sure we deliver the best experience for those users. Uh -huh, uh -huh. In our last test, IE Mobile still did not offer a good experience oh, ouch. with no ability to pan or zoom <gasps> and perform basic map functionality. Oh! <laughs> now, as a result, we, we we had to continue to redirect IE users <laughs> to Google.com where they can at least make local searches. No. Yeah. Yeah. They said at least? At least. At least they can no, make local searches. that's a quote? That's a quote. That is such a slam. They're, so, okay. Let me. So, they're slamming Internet Explorer Mobile. They're slamming the pan and zoom. They're slamming what was the last... Oh my gosh! This is this is this is a slam. Yeah. So so here is the last part of the of the of the uh, of the quote, and then I will get your guys's opinions. Okay. Recent improvements to IE Mobile <laughs> and Google Maps now deliver a better experience, and we are working to remove the redirect. We will continue to test Google Maps compatibility with other mobile browsers to ensure the best possible experience for users. Can I just chime in? Yeah. Of I course. don't mean to. 
No, uh, but of course, this is what the show is all about. So let's talk about uh, how technology works. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, by the way, to remove a redirect... Wait, was that a facepalm, Joe? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay. Like, okay. <laughs> so, I, I like the concept that Google has to spend a lot of time working to remove the redirect. Like, that takes a lot of time to... F- you know, we got to talk to the committee. Well, no, no. It's it's not that, that it takes a long time to remove the redirect. It's that they fixed the problems in IE no, really, not, really quickly. No, no. See, and it what takes you them do longer to remove the redirect. Is you make the uh, web app available, right? So you make the web app available to whoever whoever wants it. Anybody can go to the web app because it's on the internet and it's a website. So you load a website in a browser, it's a web and app. then it's up to the browser manufacturer to make sure that website works. Or maybe if you're not following the standards, you would just your website to follow the standards this concept this concept that you hide websites because they're not working properly this is brand new this is i mean you guys remember there's no, a time no, oh, no, it's no, oh it's oh, oh, oh are you no. kidding me no. hello no. firefox hello you remember when firefox and everybody said we have to run internet explorer because firefox it doesn't work right everybody you just put your website up and it's up to the browser manufacturers to make your website work with that website and if yeah, but, google but hides is, that there were a whole lot of sites back in the day. Oh, hold on, hold on. No, no, no. This is Google coming at Microsoft. Google is coming at Microsoft. Time out. And I would say, this page is not designed for IE. Please download a real web browser. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This is Google taking a slug at Microsoft. Fair and square. Google is taking a swipe at Microsoft here. The language they are using is a clear attack. Secondarily, because they're not making the website available, they don't let Microsoft make the fixes because you can't go to the website in order to develop or troubleshooting. Okay, hold on. John, go. Are you anti-Google? Uh... I'm anti. Yes, that's a yes. I'm anti that's a yes. user experience. How this isn't a Google Microsoft but thing. Now, see, this is a thing, is basic fundamental anti-competitive is, maneuver. You're not looking at this from the other side. Please. Google is thinking, well, in, no. In Google's past, thinking we don't Google want Microsoft. Hold on, Chris. Hold on. It has been a horrible experience, and rather than having to put up with uh, users that are pissed no. off at Google for having a party. Uh, experience because Microsoft can't no, design a damn I mean, good browser. John, They're you're right. I mean, John, you're, at all. John, no, I totally understand where you're coming from, and I I get what you're saying. But all you have to do to demonstrate Alls. that point is you put down a little pop up that says, "We're sorry, but this is not yet fully compliant on your browser. Please contact your handset manufacturer to make this more compatible." But we'll try to make this work as best as possible in the meantime. And then what you do is you get users that are contacting Microsoft saying, hey, so we want this to work. Like saying, oh, our site is not compatible with Netscape Navigator. Please so try instead IT. you block access altogether? Why not? It's a seamless experience moving over to it's some other Google It's anti-competitive. That's why. No way. Maybe they, maybe they should have, instead of redirecting and, and, Google, well, redirected the Bing Maps, which I assume does work. Microsoft built <laughs> a good browser to begin with. Well, I, I mean, I, I hate to be in the position to defend Microsoft a good here. browser that goes on web standards. No, you're absolutely right. You know how many web designers out oh, there? Oh no, you don't. You don't do understand from Microsoft's point of view. They define sure the web standards. No, Their website I, works with Internet Explorer. I completely agree with John. John, you're right. Microsoft should have gone with a WebKit-based browser, right? They should have gone with something that runs on what they're, every they're, other that's, mobile that's device uses. And no, Microsoft- that's absurd. Why? Why is that, Joe? To, to, to Microsoft to run a WebKit-based browser, they're just going to throw away thir- you know, 20 years or however long it's been of IE development but, but, and say, oh, we were wrong. Let's pick up this open store project and admit that it's better. But Joe, but Joe, see, here's the problem. They were beat to market by WebKit in mobile. Uh, no, they weren't. 
Joe. No, 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 no. Internet Explorer has been on on Windows on oh, Windows sure. based Windows six five yeah. and six no, base right. smartphones. Yeah. Well, for how many years? Isn't that the irony of it all? Microsoft beat everybody to the punch five years ago before iPhone was ever announced. But my but Apple came along, announced the iPhone. They use WebKit, and then Google comes along, announces Chrome. It uses WebKit, and WebKit now dominates the mobile space as far as as mobile browsers go. I mean, it's like it's yeah, like ninety five percent. You're forgetting. There's also Mozilla Mobile. The Firefox mobile from Mozilla. I mean, that's that's a non-WebKit-based browser. You're right. I mean, there's a lot of... And Opera, Opera. has their own mobile browser, but, also not WebKit-based. So Joe, do you use any of those? Let me ask this question. I actually, <laughs> I actually prefer on my uh, Nexus 7, I actually prefer the Mozilla browser over the, the Chrome browser. I prefer the Chrome browser. Now, I don't know how many of you guys have Windows Phone platform. I know, Joe, you messed around with it for a while. Yep. Um, were you able to download other browsers on the Windows Phone platform? At, at When I was using it, the, the, the store had... Almost no programs available in it. See, what, uh, I what, mean, it, it had a few things, but but it didn't have any alternative browsers, and I don't know if that's something Microsoft is keeping a clamp on or not. And, and just like I'm wondering on, on on iOS, where if you download a different browser, it still uses the underlying same uh, same you know kit. If you probably will. Microsoft yeah. seemed to have modeled most of their their foray into phones with Windows Seven and Eight or Windows Windows Phone Seven and Eight, very much after what Apple did with the iPhone. So they probably have the same restriction in place. So. Do you guys believe with Google saying, okay, well, we want to make sure that we have a good experience for our users, or is this honestly Google just taking a shot at Microsoft here? 100%. So you, you think... a little bit of both. No, I think it's 100% Google taking a shot at Microsoft. Because, think about this. Let's just, let's just change the framing of this. All right. Let's say, ridiculously, it's Bing Maps that are really popular. Right. And when you go to, and you go to Bing Maps in Chrome or Safari, it says, sorry doesn't work. Right. And you just can't do anything. Yep. Or if it did that in Firefox, that's not how developers fix it. Developers need to be able to bring up the Firebug debugging tool. Yep. Fig- I mean, I'm talking literally how you fix these things. You literally bring up the debugging tools. Literally. You figure out what's not working. You look at the code and you change your browser rendering engine so it renders that correctly. That's how you fix these things. And without being able to load so you're, you're saying that mistakes on a website should be handled by the company that develops the web browser, well, not... In this not case, by who's writing the code for the website. Google's, Even if it works with 99% of all the other sites out there, it's the developer of the web browser's fault exactly. that it doesn't work on but that then, one but site. Then, but then, okay, but Google's saying, oh, it's pan and zoom, it's this and that. Why not expose those flaws so that Microsoft is pressured by its users to fix them? I'm, because I'm, they've been pressured all along, and Microsoft is too stubborn to do anything about it. No, no, this... I, I, I'm leaning more towards Chris's response than I am towards your response, John, and here's why. See, what Microsoft has been doing with their mobile platform is trying to do something different. I mean, you got to give them sure. that. They're, they're, they're trying to do something with tiles. They're, they're trying to change the user experience on the phone. They've partnered up with Nokia, the you know creators of great hardware. They actually have something really decent and really nice and, and beautiful. If you ask me, I think it's great. Now... You have users out there that are still tied into other ecosystems, a la Google, like you know Gmail, and and they they like and they're familiar with Maps. Yeah. So they go to that website, and Google knows this. Google knows that potentially Microsoft could be a threat to them somewhere down the road, as maybe somewhere a, down the road. How about today? Well, they're a threat. I'll just put it. You know, time timelines aside, they're a threat right yeah. now. Yeah. And so what Google's doing is. Bringing up this BS 
I don't think Microsoft changed a thing. I don't think Microsoft pushed an update to their IE mobile platform. Right. Oh, that's a whole other angle to this story is that right. it had worked previously. Right. It just didn't work as well. And that's and that's where see the thing is Google didn't want to hear from users going, "Hey, why don't you make your site work better?" With this web browser, what Google but wanted then they would to have do. to explain to every user that it's not their fault that it doesn't then work. Let them it's Microsoft. Then let them explain it. Isn't that a marketing you know opportunity? How many people that's going to be? Look at the outreach. A link. All they have to do is put a link. iOS. When Apple switched to their own map system and Google Maps no longer worked with it. Well, well wait, no. Google Maps always still worked. Yeah. You could just go into the browser and go to maps.google.com and it would work they just They made fine. sure that worked right away with Safari. And, and let's not pretend like Safari doesn't have a few quirks of its own that you have to customize for. And secondarily, this is a marketing opportunity for Google they're not taking advantage of. Again, I say they could put a little pop-up that says, by the way, this isn't working so well on your browser because your manufacturer isn't doing that good of a job. I mean, why not Why not use that as an opportunity? Instead, what they're doing is they're taking sort of an anti-competitive stance to try to stunt the growth of Windows Mobile. That's what I think. It's, it's, it's a backhanded way of doing it. I, I think they were, they, they, were, they were trying to do it on, under, the, uh, under the disguise of, of user experience, of user experience yeah. when in fact I, they felt threatened and they were like, hmm, how can we do this in such a way but it really pissed off a lot of people. Now, the, the question is, will normal users, <coughs> you and I and, and a lot of people who listen and watch this show, they're smart enough, they're yeah. geeks, they're yeah. gamers, they know what's going on here. But do you think grandma and grandpa and new users to Windows Phone see this? They or, don't even know to go to maps.google.com. You don't think so? It's only no, us that They're going to use whatever the built-in Maps app yeah. is. Yeah. Totally. Nokia, Nokia Maps uh, is whatever. on a lot of these phones. Yeah, yeah whatever. Whatever yeah. it is. They don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, uh, as as said Yahoo by the that. as said by the marketing genius over there at Google, uh, they're working to remove the redirect, whatever that means. <laughs> well, yeah, it's real hard, you guys. It's really hard. It's real hard. We got to meet with the with the redirect committee. Please, yes, yes please. We'll skeptical see. Chris is skeptical. <laughs> skeptical Chris is skeptical. Well, let's <laughs> let's let's move. Let's switch gears here and let's talk about the Super Bowl of electronic shows. That's the Consumer Electronics Show. That is in Las Vegas. It kicks off this week and uh, we have a little bit of a preview talking uh, about different things that uh, that are going to be at the show yeah what do you what when, when you think of CES 2013 what's the first thing that pops into well, your head you know Chris I used to think about Microsoft I the used keynote. to think about them or what what is Bill going to say or what's Balmer going to be sweating about <laughs> this year uh, but but Notably, they're absent this right. year. They're, they're, they're not going to be there. No. This is the first time since 1995 uh, that Microsoft uh, doesn't even have an exhibit at the show. They're, they're non-existent. Now, another major company is non-existent at the show, Apple. They, always, as always. As always, they're not there. Now, what's different about this year is this will be the first year they're not, I believe, I could have the dating wrong, but I think this is the first year they're not doing a Macworld preemptively before That's CES. That's true, or the same week. Right. Right. So it's sort of that would be interesting. This will be well, like, but, I think the Macworld was never organized by Apple. That's Macworld true. Was organized well, by the okay. magazine. I just mean like a big. I just mean like a big product announcement at early January. Like that used to be Apple's like cycle, you know, kind of like a uh, like a monthly cycle. Only a well, they, product they cycle. did. They only really did that because of Macworld and how it was scheduled twice a year, uh, in once in in California and once in Boston. But a while ago, I mean years ago, and Microsoft said the same thing. Uh, uh, shortly afterwards, basically said we're not going to conform to other people's schedules for events. We're going to do our own thing and announce our own products on our own time. 
Well, which I mean makes sense. Makes it a lot more flexible if, if you're a big company like that. Will mm-hmm, they be missed? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I honestly I will miss having Microsoft there at the show. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Xbox stuff. Microsoft. That's that's know. E3. Well, yeah, but yeah. but the thing is, wasn't Microsoft the first? Honestly, the first to come to the floor with tablets. Uh, with the, I mean, granted the the OS was terrible, <laughs> but the Windows tablet OS and uh, Bill Gates was out there and saying this is going to revolutionize how things are, and this was like what five years too early, <laughs> or maybe even seven years too early. Um, it is interesting to it, watch. It, I mean, Microsoft has has always come out with with interesting hardware mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, interesting mm-hmm. previews, and now they're they're not there. It's just weird because. They are very much a consumer electronics I, company. I, I kind of wonder if what you're getting at is, is it an indictment of this type of marketing? Because what this was about was getting, getting access to press, getting access to buzz. And now companies have discovered well, the, the, if, that if they do their own thing, that they can get just as much buzz and now they can control the buzz. Right. And they don't need CES. That's true. Don't need CES to do that. John, the big companies are figuring that out. Yeah, John. John, I mean, you've been quiet here. Do you think Microsoft? I mean, is, them not being at the show is a big deal. Do I care? No. Why not? I <laughs> no. It's CES. I mean, this is it's gadget CES show, right? It's a gadget it, show. It, well, CES, CES is mostly has been one of mostly those what TVs and uh, and ovens you can it, hook onto your wireless network so and much refrigerators with monitors in the, in the cover and and you know like like miscellaneous stuff that the average consumer doesn't really well, care remember, about. Well remember the CES watch. show is meant for exhibitors to chat with other exhibitors and distributors. It's not meant for us. Really. Well then why do they call it the consumer electronics show? <laughs> well, that's exactly my question is that they they come out with all these different things and then quite frankly uh, there's so much hype and buzz around this. There's so much press coverage. Every single tech blog out there covers this like it's the greatest thing ever. But then, realistically, we never see anything that ever comes out of CES. Yeah, where's OLED TVs? That was a or, big or thing if it does year. come, if it does come out, it's either ridiculously expensive or ridiculously expensive and doesn't even work very well, such as Google TV. Oh, ouch. Indictment. Hey, Google TV works great as a front end for my Plex system. <laughs> That's all I can figure out what to do with it, though. I mean, I haven't Well, one of the else. things that was teased a little bit earlier this week uh, is Samsung. They released a teaser video, and I'll try to pull this up for you guys, um, about the world awaits something new. Mm-hmm. Get ready. And this was a transparent television. Ooh. Did you guys see this? No, I no. heard about I'll it. I'll try to bring this up. I don't know if I believe it. So if you got a little teaser, then maybe this guy I haven't seen this yet, Chase. <laughs> All right, so this is a this is a 18 second teaser. So it should be long enough before I get taken down or whatever. All right, yeah, I gotta uh, walk the line, Chase. So, walk so the line. here we go. Here's the teaser. You turn off the audio. Yeah, the world awaits. The world innovation awaits. ideas design marketing technology. Get ready, and here it goes. It's gonna show it. Wow. Eighth through eleventh, and. Where is it? Something new. Get ready. That was it. Yeah. See, they didn't show anything. See? see? Wait, what? That is... That's a teaser. What is that a teaser for? Exactly. It's a teaser for like, what, four days? Three days? Exactly. Yep. We're going to tease you that there are three days doing the BlackBerry 10 for the last three years. Who cares? Yeah. Does anybody want a transparent TV? Anybody? No. I don't understand what the point would be. 
So that way you can see how messy your wires are behind your TV. Well, the other well, what, th- what if what if you instead of using a transparent TV, you just got a projector and like a slightly frosty piece of glass? Wouldn't that be the same thing? Totally. This is why 4K. <laughs> so 4K is ultra high definition, right? And the the big you think thing, it's a 4K TV, Chase? I I think it's going to be a a 4K how could TV. Could it not be? At this point, if you're going to announce a new TV that's going to be revolutionary, it better be 4K or better. I think they tried 3D and they failed. I think it's yeah. a and now they're going with this. So you know how pissed off you get when you have a Blu-ray hooked up and you watch it on your nice HD TV and yeah. you still have bars on the top and bottom? Wait, no, no. Vizio came out with an ultra widescreen TV. Did you not see that? I think this is going to be a Samsung ultra wide. I think that's all it is. <sighs> I mean, Vizio's already got a 21 by 9, but nobody's want no one's buying them. Because they haven't yeah. hyped it. No, because well, because no, people, because because okay, great. I can watch the movies in that 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 screen, you know, perfectly. Right. But now every single TV show I watch is going to have balls yeah. on the side. Of it. It's going to be balls. I'm not saying it's going to be good. Well, they're going to come out with balls at CES. No, I'm saying it's a horrible product and it's not going to sell. Okay. Yeah, I bet. Well, I that's bet. That's pretty much everything at CES. I bet if we were sitting in the same position, whatever they're hyping right now doesn't even ship. Another thing that uh, Forbes is this saying. This is my whole point, though. This is my whole point where there's so many products at CES that it, it's almost like um, Future World <laughs> in a way where it's like, oh, well, we have this great like concept land? and then everything is a concept. And uh, if we create this buzz and you guys cover it, maybe we can actually get some money to actually do this. But then it's still going to cost you a million dollars once it does eventually come out. Yeah. Right. Are you saying CES is like the Epcot of the Thank computer, you, or the Joe. Tech I was industry, trying to set that up for somebody, but but doesn't have a really cool aquarium in it. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> actually, it's in Vegas, so they have a nice aquarium somewhere there. That's yeah, very in true. Vegas. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. narrows it down. Yeah. Some of the other things that they're going to uh, be showing off at CES is things that are wearable. Uh, we've already heard from the uh, E. I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. The 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 watch, the uh, Pebble. Uh, that they're going to be making their announcement there at the show. Also, devices that kind of bridge the gap between mobile and you know f- personal fitness and lifestyle devices like Fitbit and Jawbone. Uh, we're going to be seeing that as well. Also, uh, a company by the name of Vuzix is uh, promising something called smart glasses, kind of maybe off of Google goggles, perhaps. Um, well, can I can I just say yes, uh, you can. So uh, today, uh, just a few hours ago, I recorded the Linux Action Show for this week. Shameless. And point. and my uh, my my pick every week, I do a pick that something that runs Linux, some hardware piece that runs Linux okay. that you wouldn't know about. And I picked the Lakir watch. It's a Danish designed GPS sports watch. It runs Linux, and it's a Kickstarter project right now. It's got ninety nine thousand dollars in backing. This is wearable computing, Chase. It's a GPS. It runs a full Linux system. You have applications on this thing. They sync up with your computer. I think this is going to be a huge... So people are going to start wearing stuff again? Yeah. Well, maybe. Only it's this time around, it's going to be sort of... Are you wearing a watch? I never wear a watch. So, I mean, I never wa- wear a watch either, yet I, I got on the Kickstarter project for the Pebble. Well, because... If because it, I like it, having that stuff. Like, the like. remember MSN Direct? Remember that? It was, no. You don't remember <laughs> MSN Direct? Oh, it was great. It was like it was almost like uh, it was a computer on your wrist. Yeah, you got weather, you got uh, you got traffic, you got sports, you got all this great information. The one thing that drew, drew it back first, you needed to uh, have reception. Oh, yeah. you, like you used like FM radio signals, and it never updated huh. in a timely manner. Hmm. Um, it was before its time. I, I swear to God, I think Microsoft is always before their time. But I had one. I gotta look this up now. MSN Direct. You never heard of it? 
They yeah. are before the time. See, what the difference oh. is now is a lot of these components, there's sensors that are available to them thanks to smartphones that in the past would have required a data connection. But now we're talking GPS. We're talking uh, altitude. We're talking even barometer. You're talking gyroscopes. All of these things can record why you're, uh, while you're out and about. And then they'll sync with your smartphone, provide all of that data to your smartphone, and your smartphone's applications will be able to take advantage of that information. So the, so, so the watch... The wristband, all those kinds of things are going to become accessories to yeah. your iPad and to your iPhone and to yeah. your Android phone. You know, and, and that's where I'm really optimistic. I mean, the cool thing about these devices, uh, they're low power, uh, OLEDs, so they don't take a lot of power to right. show. Right. But by the way, uh, uh, John, I don't know if you noticed, but MSN Direct, FM radio based service based yeah. on. It was announced in October 2009. Yeah. <laughs> This is weird. I've never heard of this. Yeah, see, the, this is you know before it's time. Yeah, they're yeah, exactly. Actually, I had 2009. G- Are you kidding me? Like, what they were doing just seems like it was antiquated for yeah, 2009. But, th- but this was before low low power Bluetooth. This is before OLED. This is before. Well, and, and it's it's important to note too, John, that this was no cost to the end user. Yeah, this just broadcasted and didn't care who picked it up. It, it there was no two way communication on it. So like I had a um, a clock radio I got at some uh, a prize at a land party I think. Oh, it had direct it built received, in. Yeah. It received MSN direct for weather. Yeah. And for time updates and stuff like that. So it was really really cool except that it stopped working on January 1st, 2012. Yeah. Um <laughs> you know it, it was a it was a cool idea and I think the best part about it was that it was basically free for the end user. As long as you bought a device that supported it, yeah. you didn't have to pay any I annual recall or any there was charge a, for the data. a product that I think is still out called the Impulse Smartwatch, which is also around 2009, I believe, 2008-2009, which did something very similar where it would actually connect to your phone and basically get you information from your phone as a watch on your wrist. Oh, that's very nice. nice. And that, to me, seems like it would be a heck of a lot more cooler than... What this MSN Direct thing is? Can I just ask a hypothetical? I can't believe we've gone back to 1999. But go ahead. If or Apple, if Apple came out in March and said we're announcing iPod or iPhone Watch, and it is a companion for ninety nine dollars that connects to your iPhone or iPad, I'm not surprised that they would do that. And you know why? Yeah. Did you buy it? Yes. Uh, yes. And you know why? You know why that they they might do that? Look at the redesign of the iPod Nano. They're making room. Well, because they they saw people taking the right. older versions and using them as watches. And they're thinking, oh, gosh, what we need to do is we need to change it right now so in a year and a half or two years we can bring it back and have a wearable device mm-hmm. that syncs up with... You, you got them doing this. You got Google doing Glass. You got uh, big players getting this. Gog- no, Google Glass. Oh, oh Glass, yeah. Glass. Yeah. Uh, you have... Uh, who knows what Microsoft's doing, but they've got all kinds of things in their R&D department. Plus, you have... You know, any given week, a different Kickstarter project that's all about wearable computing. Yeah. I can't imagine this isn't going to be a big topic at CES 2013. No, I think it will be. I think we're yeah. going to see some. We're going to see a lot of wearable devices. Yeah, I really think it's going to be some huge related CES to fitness. Yep. Some, yep. some hooking yep. up to your phones. Right, right. I'm really excited about it. It's, actually, it's going to be interesting. The PCs, no, all these things in the past synced with your PC. Now they're all going to sync with your smartphone. And actually, how much did you say uh, the uh, you think the iPhone or the uh, Apple Watch would cost? Oh well, I mean, I now think you said hundred bucks, right? Ninety nine bucks. It's gonna be one forty nine or two forty nine. One forty nine, two forty nine. Yeah, it's gonna be one of those. Yeah, for for with extra storage, it'll be three forty nine. 
No. I mean, CES is always fun to watch. Uh, there's going to be plenty of providers, uh, you know, giving out coverage. We're not going to be there uh, just because of the fact that... It's a waste. Well, it kind of It's is. not a waste. I have minions that will be <laughs> it's there. It's not. I have, I have people who have contacted me. They're willing to be my minions. It's a media event. All this... You know, it is. Quite, you're right. Quite honestly, this is all just for the media. There mm-hmm. is absolutely nothing here that's translating to the real world right now for real people. It's all about uh, media getting in on this and becoming something of what they can promote for themselves and the people that they cover to generate more money. You know, Chase and I follow like the news cycles for a show we do called Unfilter. And one of the things that we've noticed doing that show is like, like if you can, if you can sort of like capitalize on a PR wave, that's sort of worth more than regular PR dollars. Like there's extra value there. So if you can be like, we did this at CES, right? You're sort of cashing in oh, on yeah. a little extra momentum. And it's totally true. The news, the news whole, the whole news media is like, they're all sitting there like, okay, all right, Mr. CES, give us our announcements. We're going to print them all just as you tell us. And so they're just waiting for them. So I, I and Gadget already sense. did that. It makes sense, right? But at the yeah, end of the day. Gadget, yeah. I already have 50 items in the RSS feed. Well, that's exactly, right? Release. Aren't, we, aren't we kind of looking at now in the internet age with The Verge and Engadget and all the sites like that? Isn't it kind of becoming the day and age where like we don't need these big conferences in the meat space to actually find out about this stuff? It seems well, I old. Think that's, that's a good point, though. Is, is you know CES used to be about innovation and introducing new products that were really cool and really compelling. And oftentimes, we got as much interest out of the little guys as we did out of the big ones. Totally. You know, Samsung would introduce a big new TV and it'd be like, hey, Samsung introduced another TV. Of big course surprise. they did. Yeah. And, and, but it would be some little company that introduces something really compelling and really cool. Yeah. But I think it's moved away from CES. I think that introduction has honestly, in part, moved to Kickstarter. I agree. We're totally. seeing a major, major move on these huge projects that are really cool ideas, really innovative over on Kickstarter, and they're going to disappear from CS if they haven't already. And when they're on Kickstarter, they're making Let's, a big splash. They're getting a ton of PR. They're getting, and on top of all of that, they they're can getting get funding. more money from yeah, doing yeah, they're money. Not just, they're not, from they're just not paying CES. out of pocket for PR and for a boot space. They're not going to go to CS they're and just getting hand the money. Give them money. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But see, CES is typically for companies that are already well-established, big-name companies for their big-name devices. Granted, I know they have that small independent row, uh, you know, and we run into them at, at E3, and we also run into them at uh, PAX, of the smaller developers, the independent developers that can't afford big mm-hmm. boot space. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see the Kickstarter-type places at CES because they can't afford to be there. Right. Uh, well, well, some of them can. Well, most um, of them can't. Well, you have to remember, like, a company like... Um uh, a good example, since we were talking about smartwatches, is the MetaWatch that came out. Those, the guys who did that were were bound to Fossil previously, and Fossil definitely would have enough money to oh, set sure, up Fossil. at, yeah. at um at CES. Yeah, but then the question is, can you get a company like that to do it? Do they recognize the value? Well, Fossil didn't because they spun that company out, and now they're making their own thing. Yeah, but they didn't sell any watches because they didn't know how to market it right. And and to be honest with you guys, I'd rather have the action on Kickstarter. I'd rather be able to get this stuff throughout the year instead of having to wait till CES. To me, it's better this way. And it'd be Although interesting you do to see run a bit of a risk there because I mean, Kickstarter inherently has risk involved with it because you're you're basically giving people venture capital. Right. Yeah. That you might not necessarily see anything come yeah. out of it because yeah. they might not be yeah. able to deliver it. Yeah. The one thing I, you know, I know we're kind of gone off on a tangent, but the one thing I don't want to see Kickstarter turn into, and I know Kickstarter was trying to turn this down a little bit, was making it a marketplace for people to 
pre-buy products if and not to really that's help foster kinda, innovation. Kind of how I use it a little bit. And but that's the, that's the inherent danger of that. Well, that's kind of I mean that's a legitimate danger then because yeah. I tell you, like I mentioned my Linux pick, uh, it was this watch. And I kind of thought, you know, if I buy this now, or, or or actually even a better example, I buy games through Kickstarter a lot. Like I go in, I throw in money a little bit early, I get it at a good price, and then I get the beta, and then, I'm, then I get the game after that. And that's kind of how I've been getting some games lately. So kind of how I am using Kickstarter now. And... I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing because it gets them the funding and it gets me some actual results. To me, maybe that's not what Kickstarter wanted to accomplish, but at the end of the day, as an end user, I'm happy with it. Yep. So just to let everybody know, uh, tomorrow, uh, and actually it's uh, it's kicked off uh, uh, actually as of today. So kicked off today, tomorrow, and Tuesday is the New Media Expo presented by Blog World. We're not there, obviously, because <laughs> we're here. However, tomorrow evening is the podcast awards, uh, and we will be streaming those live on our website. Uh, it kicks off Monday, tomorrow night, uh, the 7th at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time, Pacific Standard Time. And I'll be here. Joe says he should be home by work from... Work. Uh, by, at 6.30, I probably won't be. Oh, you won't be. Okay. No, not at 6.30. Oh, my right. gosh. Maybe he could join you in progress. He could. I'll be here. I could. If there's only some way for like you guys to talk over the internet. I mean, if there's a program yeah. that could provide good, out. solid service. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but we'll have uh, live coverage. Uh, now, we, we're not going to be at the Podcast Wars, but we're, we're crossing our fingers and we're throwing a Hail Mary. Uh, we'll see if we win the gaming category. I doubt it. Uh, but <laughs> Minecraft Me is nominated uh, in the gaming category, which is really cool. Uh, so we'll have that available. Leo Laporte is <laughs> the... Uh, the, the keynote speaker at Blog World, or at, and he's presenting, I think, at the uh, the podcast awards. So let's move on to some gaming stuff, and uh, it's now time to to bow our heads, po folks, um, because Sony has stopped shipping the PlayStation Two in Japan do, nearly do, thirteen do. years after launch. Do, no word on the U.S. yet. Do, do. Are they still shipping the PS One? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, PS One's still going strong, and Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Uh, but uh, it is interesting, though. The PlayStation Two seems to have been the breakout success oh, of the huge most huge. I mean, like you can of our generation. I yeah, would say. I that's what I was going to say. I was wondering if it was too grand, but I was going to say, even looking back at the N sixty four, maybe even the Super Nintendo thirty two. Was it thirty two? I think so. Uh, going back through all of that, the PlayStation Two has sold nothing like nobody else. No Xbox has sold as much as the PlayStation Two. No, nothing. no Nintendo. Nothing device. has come close. It, it has been it has been phenomenal. And I don't know if you recall, but one of the true key successes of the PlayStation Two, if you remember, was actual DVD playback. That's right. It actually supported well, the, the DVD I, I, standard. I remember when it was PlayStation Two versus Xbox. Yeah. And one of the things is you didn't have to buy a separate dongle. Right. You got. You got it right out of the box, yeah. and it was DVD out of the box. Yeah. And it worked. And it worked. Do you not remember that, John? I don't remember any of this stuff. Uh, I know. You're, you don't even have... Did you even... Have you ever owned a PS2? No. Joe, no. did you? Uh, Yes. And Chris? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, see, yeah, yeah see, yeah, look yeah, at yeah. three out of four gamers. There, there you go. The, <laughs> there's, there's your stats right there. Now, there's no word yet on if uh, Sony's going to start ceasing production in other parts of the world. Um, and stop selling in other regions. Uh, but hmm. in Japan, it's all over with. Does this matter so much when you have PlayStation 3s that are PS2 compatible? 
Well, really the, the PS3 th- Slim, however, I believe is not PS2. It's not. It's not. No, I have. So it does I have, actually kind of matter. So, what they did with the PS3s is the first generation of PS3 Fats had a chip inside. They actually had the chipset for the PS2. Right. Right. And then it turned into software emulation. Yeah. And then it turned into no emulation. Right. Right. <laughs> like you guys just turned off the emulation. Okay. And they got rid of that Linux thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, this is just like Windows XP. I mean, there's got to be an expiration date somewhere. It's not like they have to support PS2. Yeah. There's an incredible library of great games for the PS2 Actually, that we'll never see on the PS3. When you can do it via software emulation at very little hardware cost because the PlayStation 3 is so much so much more it's powerful. It's that cell processor. There's Chris. very actual... Li- you know, in terms of cost, there's very little cost in supporting it. It's basically you just don't want to anymore. Now remember, they're still selling them. They're just not selling them in Japan anymore. Hmm. But uh, P- uh, PlayStation 2, 153 million units sold. But uh, uh, very close second, Nintendo DS with 152.5. Now well, they got nothing on McDonald's with 99 billion served. That's over 99 but billion. But you know, at Get the end of the right. day, does anybody know how old Nintendo is? Do anybody have any guesses? Uh, well, the oh, wait, wait, they're very which, old. They're really old, yeah. Does the company? Know? Yeah, the company. Uh, company was founded, I want to oh, say, like 1899 or you're something. You're ruining it, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because they made playing cards. Yeah, they're su- yeah exactly. Uh, <sighs> 1889. Way off track. 1889, September 23rd. Sorry. I was. I, I want to get controversial track. now. Okay. I'm going to get a little years. unfilterish. All right. All right. This is unfiltered. Episode. <laughs> this is unfiltered. Episode it, I think it's interesting to note. I was just, I, I posted this in the IRC. PS2 sold 153.6 million units so far. It was introduced in 2000, in the year 2000. In the, year. Uh, the Nintendo DS was introduced in 2004, also still for sale. It has sold 152.5 million. So it's only 1.1 million units behind the PS2, but it was released four years later. I just think that's kind of funny. Yeah. Well, also, uh, when the PlayStation 2 came out, it was, what, 300 bucks? When the DS came out, it was, what, 149, 199? I don't remember now. Yeah. Uh, so let's get a little controversial, shall we? Now, our honestly, you know, our hearts do break uh, for the families in Connecticut um, after that just tragic, tragic mass shooting of all those kids and, and uh, teachers and the principal there in uh, Connecticut. Now, we've we've talked on uh, other shows like on Unfilter. You know, Chris and I have had conversations about video games, and uh, we got real political about it. Uh, and we don't usually get too political on this show, but this is one of those situations where I, I'd love to hear the panel's opinion on this specific thing. Uh, a Connecticut town uh, is uh, having a drive uh, that is going to collect and destroy violent video games. On January 12th, uh, a, a group in a town called Southington will host a, quote, violent video games return program where uh, if... They want people to turn in any type of violent media. In return, they'll get a $25 gift certificate from the local Chamber of Commerce, and the media itself will be destroyed and placed in the town dumpster for appropriate permanent disposal. Uh, now, they're wondering is quickly how used games lose value and the cheaper cost of CDs and DVDs if the same gift certificates are handed out for everything. <laughs> so let's say, for example, you have like Madden NFL 2005, 
Or oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, but that's that's not violent. Because I'm sorry. It's football and football's an American pastime, and it's not in any way, shape, or form. Right, right. Form violent. You're uh, 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 Grand Theft Auto uh, Vice City. You know, it's an old title. Probably cost me ten dollars to pick it up on the used market. So I turned it in for twenty five dollars in gift certificates. I don't know if it's an even exchange. Or just just go between he, this the where they're picking up and the local GameStop and yeah. buy all of the old games they have, and you know for like five bucks off the in the five dollar value bin and just keep trading them in. I wonder if you can get away with the that. meme. The meme has been happening. Uh, you know between you know we need to get rid of guns because if we get rid of guns, uh, this this kind of tragedy won't happen in the future. We need to get rid of violent movies because if we get rid of violent movies, this tragedy won't happen in the future. If we get rid of video games and violent video games, this won't happen in the future. Well, I have a feeling this quite. I'm, this is a real softball of a question, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, will something like this really make a difference, <laughs> Chris? Well, Chase, you have to kind of you have to follow the money on this one, and uh, you have to look at who's behind this. And unfortunately, and follow I'm not the money. and I'm not trying to make a political statement here. I'm reading the article right now. Yeah. Uh, the funding behind some of this initiative is beca- is coming from the NRA, and the NRA wants to blame violent video games because they fill an awfully good gap in scapegoat instead of guns. Um, and unfortunately, what the reality is, is that you can't just blame one particular thing, games, violent media, right. movies, anything like that. And all of this, all that this does, all of the all, only thing that happens here is these drives to turning video games. It, it, it reminds me of parallels to turn in your guns. Turn in your guns, everybody. Well, because L- LA just did this. Yes. Los Angeles just did this. Exactly. Yeah. Because guns are violent weapons that can kill people. Well, yeah. And, and apparently vi- video games are too. Now, I've played violent video games my entire life. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I did kill 20 people before I came over here to do the show. You had an incredible kill streak, by yeah. the way. Oh, Very good dude, stuff. it was great. I think I got a high score in real life, which is awesome, by the way. <laughs> you got an achievement um, unlocked. Yeah, I have a little achievement. I got a little book. I put all my achievements in there, and I draw little stars for myself <laughs> because I'm a killer because I play video games. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, unfortunately, I think all of this just kind of b- continues to propagate that meme that video games are going to make you a killer. Parents, get your kids to turn in your video games. Video games are going to hurt people. And it's it's an unfortunate uh, meme to propagate. John, what do you think? Yes. What is your opinion? This is, you know, this is interesting because what I, I can't, I don't know which study it was, but I, if I recall correctly, there was a study a while ago, like last year, saying that violent video games really hasn't changed um, how violent people are compared to you know when there really weren't violent video games in the fifties or sixties. If you look at fifties or sixties compared to now, the crime stats are basically pretty much the same, regardless of whether or not people have violent video games or not. Actually, our crime our, our crime is down quite a bit. Crime has been down. Right. The trend for crime is actually unless you're in Detroit, <laughs> well, Chicago. There's a few areas, yeah, but crime which is, which in is the United completely States. Stupid because if you think about it. Uh, quite frankly, gun control, in my opinion, doesn't really do a whole lot of good. If you a prime example of what I'm talking about is Chicago, where they do have gun control laws, yet they still have a lot of violent crime committed with guns. So in a way, it's, it's to me when when you look at that area of gun control, it doesn't seem to really work. I, you know, my, 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 per- this is just my personal opinion. This is not my opinion of the network or, or the panel, but, you know, I support the, f- the freedom of, of, of choosing and, and the freedom of if I, if I want to have a gun, I should be able to have one. If I want to be able to play 
uh, a violent video game and and have fun and have it as a stress relief, I should be able to do that. Because yeah, I know I, it's. Let me try and make my point a little bit please more clear do. here. But so, yeah. so what I'm trying to say is that even if you do try to balance something, people are still going to find a way to. Uh, do what they want to do. Even if you ban violent video games, people are going to find some sort of release regardless of whether or not you it's, ban the violent video games. It's called the Pirate Bay and the Internet, and people will just download them and play them anyways. I don't want to... I, I try to want to... You can't ban video games. Yeah. It's he, impossible. Well, no, you, he's, they're not trying to ban video games. They want to ban violent video games. Right. Because violent video games is uh, is corrupting the youth of America because parents decide not to get involved in their kids' lives. They decide to, here, kid, have well, a game, sit in front of the TV you know what else we while ban? I go and do my coke. You know what else we ban? Is we ban pornography. Meanwhile, kids have unlimited access to pornography. Oh, you know like, what else we, we ban? Alcohol. Meanwhile, kids drink alcohol like nobody's Cigarettes business. Cigarettes and marijuana. And marijuana pharma- smoking is pharmaceuticals, at the highest. prescription drugs. Should Thank we you. keep going? Thank you. Yeah. So it does nothing. In fact, by banning it, you make it an elite substance that people want more. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not going to change anything. And this kind of publicity that w- we see what's happening here. I mean, if you look at the quote on the page, is uh, you know, in big red letters, it says, our message is fairly simple. This is coming from the organization that is trying to get the games off the streets. Hello, saying, everybody. Our message is fairly simple. Have a conversation with your child. Guess what? You can have that conversation with your child by not trying to bribe and, and get people to turn in games because that's not the answer. The, the, the answer is you're just trying to push your agenda to, to blame something that is not the cause. It's, it's almost, almost like the human brain has the ability to tell the difference between reality and a simulation. And like almost as if the human brain knows when something's not real. Ah, ah, maybe I'm getting crazy here. Joe, Joe, you're quiet over there. I mean, wh- what do you think about what uh, Southington, Connecticut is doing? Hello, everybody. <laughs> Who's got the soundboard? Um, no, that's just no, Chris. I, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I actually... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would say this is this. It's a little ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense to be getting rid of violent games. I think that the uh, even more than than the argument of controlling violent games should be the argument of having parents be aware of what that means. Uh, and maybe maybe it's the problem is is not even that it's parents who need to be aware of what the games are. It's that that we need to name them something different by calling them games. People think they're for kids, and if we called them violent, or if we, we if instead of calling them video games, you call them digital computer experiences now it's not a game anymore now it's something else but how do you but let's let's just draw the comparison to movies like finding nemo is a movie and so is uh you know some sort of horror movie they're all movies yeah but the difference is at least uh, my understanding is the difference from a from an individual using it or from from an individual watching it is when they're when they're watching a movie it's a it's a one-sided experience they are receiving that when they're playing a video game or playing a, a, that sort of thing, it's two-sided. They're controlling the action that goes on screen. You can play through Grand Theft Auto and not kill a single person. and I mean, you can't play the whole game, but you can get away with playing most of it. You can explore the world and do that sort of thing without running over pedestrians or, or, uh, or killing hookers. But a lot of people, especially kids, seem to choose that direction. And the, the same is true for a lot of games. There, there are ways to, to play some games that where, you don't, where really the violence is very much diminished. But it's all based on the choice of the player. When you watch a movie, you don't have that choice. The movie doesn't stop in the middle and say, hey, do you want us to kill this guy or do you want us to let this guy live? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a question of what the director or the producer or whoever but developed But in that argument, it almost sounds like the video game is less of a danger to the children. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think that, well, yes and no, right? The video game is more of a danger because the child can choose to be as violent as they want. Mm. The movie is is less, or is, may or may not be as as, as bad because they don't have the option. So it's blame something that's chosen for them before they before they start watching it. Mm. I, I, and, but I, again, I think it's this this issue with with calling these things video games. Parents then, by default, especially those who aren't now us in the age that we are, we're getting to the point where having kids is a is is not unrealistic, and having kids that are old enough to play these games is not unrealistic. That we know better, you know, Joe, we've you come, we've been brought up in this kid. world. Uh, yeah. And our, our people and younger are going to be aware of this and know what violent video games are. But people who are older than that may not necessarily realize there's a, a big difference when you call it a video game between Mario and uh, Grand Theft Auto. It's, it's, it's frustrating as, as you know, we, we can see the difference. We know the difference because we're experienced in what we're talking about. You know, we're, we're gamers. We're geek guys. We, we really enjoy this stuff. And we see for what it is, you know, as an outlet, as uh, entertainment, um, and really it doesn't feed on maybe some bad mental thoughts that you know we're, we don't have. Hopefully, Joe. Um, <laughs> but you single me out. I'm just messing with you, man. <laughs> but 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 what happens here is, I think this all comes down to honestly is communication and becoming informed and being educated. And unfortunately, a lot of parents, they're not doing that. And, you know, they're, they're so busy in their daily lives that they go out and buy Grand Theft Auto 4 because they feel, because their kid wants it, because their kid played it at their friend's house and they thought it was great. They're 13 years old and they're playing a mature title and then they freak out. I know I'm, I'm kind of merging two games here. They're freaking out because there's a simulated sex scene uh, in the game. You know, hot coffee mod or whatever. I, I just I think it comes down to communication and being informed, and it, don't blame the game. Just like don't blame the gun. Uh, I mean, if someone has a mental issue and their their tendencies are to be more violent or whatever, maybe they need to get a psychologist. Maybe maybe they need to talk about their problems. Maybe maybe they need to have open parents and open people in their lives to say, "Hey, is there something wrong with me? Because I have these thoughts." But you know what? No one embraces that kind of stuff. Everybody embraces. You know, this also kind of goes back to, in a way, yeah. what you're talking about is this whole uh, Newtown, Connecticut shooting. Is the fact that you have a mentally ill person that's not being getting any sort of help. Yeah. Well, and and it's. I think it's important to note. You you touched on this, Chase. It's not. It's not the weapon or the the what's going on that that is the problem. It's the person who has it. What's been glossed over in yeah. U.S. media is that almost at the same time as as what happened in Connecticut, in China there was a, a stabbing spree yeah, where a guy stabbed twenty two school yeah, children a and, and a and a teacher. So it's not exclu- you know banning something or you know I mean if if we talk about banning something because it's bad for our bad for people who decide they want to use it badly, then before too long we're going to have registered chef's knives. I mean yeah, it, it's it's just going to reach that point and it it. It's not. That's not the issue. The issue is not what the tools are, or what the the things are. The issue is the people who are using them right. or, or or experiencing them. Yep, I I agree a hundred percent. I was listening uh, to talk radio last week, and uh, the, the the hosts were talking about guns, and one of the listeners wrote in to the show, and he says, you know, I'd be more than willing to take my guns, sell them back to the government if they bought them from me at fair market value. And if they could guarantee that a bad guy would not have a gun, if they can guarantee that a criminal would not have a gun, 
then I'm okay with that. But the problem is, the only thing that the, 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 these laws and these restrictions do is hamper law-abiding people. It's not going to stop someone who's bad from getting what they want. It, guns, video games, anything illegal, if someone wants it bad enough and they have enough money or they have enough motivation, they're going to get it regardless. And it's not going to... they can still go over to their friend's house and play the violent video game. Exactly. And You're you know, not going to stop it. To the chat room's point, uh, I would give more credit to uh, video games being the leading cause for obesity than I would give credit for video games being the leading dance, cause Dance, dance, revolution! Well, there's some exceptions, obviously, and, the, and, and Connect and all of those fun accessories are working Joe loves the Connect, by the way. But I'm just Great. pointing out that if you want to point to real world, real a real world impact of video games, it would be obesity, probably not violence. Just my observation. Now, if I'm playing Minecraft, you know I do need to eat in Minecraft, and I always get a steak. Absolutely. So, <laughs> uh, you have the steak in Minecraft. Come on, spend a little bit of time, bake a cake. Oh, uh, that's true, and have some cookies and milk. Yeah, there All you right. go. All right. <laughs> Well, very awesome heated discussion uh, about video games and violence and uh, got a little unfiltered style, which is fine with me. I think that conversation on this show is a very appropriate because a lot of you guys out there are gamers yep. and you guys should be informed about these things that are happening out there so you can be informed and make a difference. Mm. Uh, so, you guys, let's move on to our picks of the week. Now, these are neat items that we like here at GeekGamer.tv. These could be gadgets. These could be a cool website. Uh, it really could be anything. It just gives that person on the panel here a few minutes to chat about what they like. And I'm going to go with our uh, guest here in the studio, Mr. Chris Fisher from Jupiter Broadcasting. Chris, what's your pick of the week? All right, Chase. Well, my pick of the week is uh, not totally original. but All right, uh, very fun. If folks have not tried it yet, I want to come on here and be the one that convinces them to finally pull the trigger. And uh, that is Star Wars Angry Birds. And you can get it for the iPhone, the iPad. It's Android. on everything. It's on everything. Yeah. Uh, it's a great app across all of them. And I think that's maybe the best place for me to start. Uh, so this is above and beyond a, a fantastic user experience across all of the different platforms you might use it. But on top of that, it's a lot of fun. If you're a Star Wars fan, there's a lot of nods. And it's not done in like the cheesy, crappy way where they like they water down the IP, and I always hate that. Right. It's done in a respectful way that makes you kind of like remember back and love it. And I'll tell you, on top of that, it's gotten my son into the Star Wars in a way I never thought was possible before. It's a ton, It's It's got all of the cool sound effects. Like, Chase, you were just playing a little bit of the, the music yep, there. Yep, I they've, was, yeah. They've got the licensed IP from LucasArts, so that's great. They've got all the sound effects. And what's neat about it is if you played Star Wars Angry Birds, they combine a little bit of the physics elements and the gravity stuff with this in Star Wars Angry Birds where you kind of got to aim with the regular, like, you know, Angry Birds Rio or Angry Birds where it's on ground and stuff like that. So it's a combination of everything they've done, all skinned in the Star Wars IP with the Star Wars sound effects and certain Star Wars unlocks. It's a great, it's a lot of fun. And if you really get into it, they've got a whole plushy accessory line around and all that. Of, of course they stuff. do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's very pretty, very so nice. Angry Birds Star Wars edition, and what's fun is you've got you've got a Luke Skywalker bird, you've got a Han Solo bird, you've got a Chewbacca bird, you've got a Princess Leia, R2-D2, the Wookiee, Obi-Wan, Darth. They're all in there. It's the whole Star Wars story. You start at Hoth, you progress to the Death Star, and you go all the way through. It's the whole Star Wars story told in, uh, told in Angry Birds form, and it's available for any device you want. And you can even get it for free if you want to get nagged by ads all the time. Very, very nice. Mm -hmm. Two ninety nine. If you want to, and I would, I would actually recommend just paying for it. Yeah. Get the get the nags out of the way. Yeah. Uh, on the Android market, it's seen nearly five hundred thousand installs. It was it was released on November 29th, so it's not brand new. You do need Android two point two or above or iOS five. 
By the way, on an unrelated story, and this is not just Angry Birds Star Wars. This is Angry Birds everything. Okay. 30 million downloads of Angry Birds over Christmas week. Yeah, every other iOS device sold downloaded Angry Birds. So if you bought an iOS device and I bought an an, an iOS device, one of us downloaded Angry Birds. That's just nuts. Christmas Day, 17.4 million (sighs) on one day. Not bad. All right, nice pick, Mr. Chris. Thank you, sir. I love Angry Birds. I, I, I have Angry Birds space. Now I need to get Star Wars. This is the best one they've ever done. Awesome. John Bubb, you're up next, buddy. Yeah. What's your pick right. of the week? My pick of the week, it's an application that a lot of tech guys are probably familiar with. It's called TeamViewer, and it's for uh, remote administration, remote support, going into your computer when you're uh, somewhere else. And it's a great application because it just it simply works just so well that... Uh, it's awesome. It's free for personal use. If you are a commercial business, they do ask you for a license and all that stuff. But for free and private use, it's freaking amazing. If you got a family member that needs some help with uh, tech support, it's really great. You can have them download an application right from the website and just have them run that application. And you can remotely log into the computer uh, and control like the computer just so that you can help them figure out what their problem is or fix it for them. It's so cool. Um, I took a trip over uh, the holiday break, and I used this program, and it was just amazing. They've got iPhone and Android applications, which is really cool. Let me see if I can load up here on my uh, Android tablet here real quick. Yeah, what's really, really cool is you could, you, could, you could manage a Windows box or a Mac from vice versa. So I could yep. be on a Mac or a Linux box, and I can remote into a Windows machine, or I could be on my Android tablet, and I can remote into a Windows machine. So if you are on a Mac and you've got family members who are on Windows and you need to help them, it works, or vice versa. It's really cool. I don't know if you'll be able to see, but you can see I have a list of computers here that I have access to. This is like all the stuff for GFQ. I can log into all their computers. So if I'm actually away from home and I still need to do something over at GFQ, I can remotely log into one of the computers over at the GFQ network, put a show on the air, do whatever it is that I need to do. Or if I need to log into my computer at home and I'm away, I can do that as well because I was away on vacation for a few days and I wanted to grab some files that are at home. And this is a great way to be able to log into my computer when I'm away, and, and it's free application. It works great on both Android and iPhone. I use both of them. Yeah. And it works great on your computer as well. And one of the cool things I really like about TeamViewer is the fact that you don't have to worry about any of this firewall stuff, mm. configuring ports, forwarding them, or anything like that. It just simply works. All you have to do is tell your friend to download it, install it, whatever it is you want to do with it. It's so easy to set up. Well, you know, I, I uh, you know, as an alternative that I use, uh, I use LogMeIn Free, uh, which works just as well. They also have Android and, and iOS apps. But the cool thing about TeamViewer is you don't have to have that pre-installed. You can direct your user to the website, and then they just give you the TeamViewer code, and, and then bam, you're right in there. Uh, and it's great, mm-hmm. great. And uh, the cool thing is there is a, a, a pro version if you're you're using it for more business type stuff, you know, and you're multiple PCs, but if you know, pro, you know, your consumer, there's a free version and there's no ads, right? Uh, John, there's no, no, uh, adware or bloatware installed with it. It's just, just the program. Right? All there is, is, is a nag screen every time that you log out. If you've been connected for like over five minutes and you disconnect, it will pop up a nag screen saying that this is for free and, com- and, and private use only. Okay. That's the only nag screen that you have on. Otherwise it's completely free and very easy to use. Very cool. Awesome. Well, uh, there, there's your pick, you guys. Team Viewer. If you want more information, visit TeamViewer.com. I've actually tried a lot of other remote uh, applications out there, but 
quite frankly, TeamViewer is one of the best. Yeah, I, I TeamViewer is good. LogMeIn's good. I, I use LogMeIn on my dad's computer and all my systems. Joinme.com. There's many, many providers out there, but TeamViewer is great. John's pick. It's a good pick. Mm-hmm. Nice pick. Mm-hmm. Joseph Falby, our resident Minecraft tutor and host of Minecraft Me. You're up next. What's your pick of the week? So this is kind of an old thing. I didn't realize how, quite how old it was when I uh, picked it, but it's still really cool, and it's a great idea. It's called the Slurper. What? Hmm? Uh, <laughs> it, anyway, it, it's kind of weird. What it is is it's a it's a Wi-Fi, um, sort of a Wi-Fi stealing access point. <laughs> so the idea is uh, you're at home. Uh, say you you live in a city and you have a whole lot of open Wi-Fi networks around you, and you don't want to have internet at home at all. Well, what this device allows you to do is it'll actually connect up to six available Wi-Fi connections, and it provides you with uh, nine Ethernet jacks on the front, and it'll connect all those together to give you all the bandwidth total from all those six connections. Want. So, yeah, exactly. So, so you end up connecting to six Wi-Fis. Each one maybe is, is you know, five, ten megs. Now you have a connection that is six times that, so 60 megs. This or, is or real. Sort of connection. This is real, right? Yeah, is this legal? is a, a real product. The only issue with it is, in some areas, it's illegal to use someone else's internet connection. So <laughs> there's some question question about whether or not that's uh, whether it's legal or not. It's he uh, it, say, it, yeah. So it, I, 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 it is real. So they did make it. I, I can't tell if it's available now or not. But the other problem with it is the cost. Uh, it's going to be almost or almost fourteen hundred dollars for one of these things. Because it does have a full little um, a customized Linux dro- box inside of it, but it, I thought it was just a cool idea, a cool contraption. Uh, came up by uh, or developed by a, a Dutch hacker named Mark Hoekstra, um, and uh, I just think that's it's 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 just really cool. But again, if you do decide to make one of these or buy one of these, um, you're using it at your own risk because it would be illegal in some places. Well, but still we, a cool idea. We don't necessarily condone it, but it looks yeah. very cool. <laughs> it's a really cool idea, and if yeah. you, uh, you see the picture of the box, it's got these Wi-Fi antennas sticking out every angle, which I, I yeah, I, I, I threw a picture of it. It looks awesome. I want yeah. one. <laughs> I want. One. I just want one to have sitting yeah. here. Yeah, I'm not exactly. going to connect it to anything. I just wanted to sit here and look awesome on the desk. Yeah. I want to just try it for a minute, see how it works. Like yeah. go downtown, like New York or oh, totally. Vegas, or Seattle, yeah, even yeah. Seattle. Yeah. That'd yeah, yeah, awesome. just, you know, in one of the high-rises, you know, a bunch of apartments around you or something like that, you know, people have open Wi-Fi. Same thing. Awesome stuff. Well, um, my, my my pick of the week is a small piece of hardware. Oh, boy. I know. Making me spend money. But this is this is something. It's a lightsaber. No, it's, oh. no. Oh, no. Then why do I have this lightsaber? It's just for fun. I just mess around with it. Okay. Yeah, thanks for putting that away. Sorry. Um, no, my, my pick of the week is a piece of hardware that's very useful for a musician or a podcaster or someone who wants a very easy way of getting audio in and out of their computer. Uh, this is the Behringer UCA202 U-Control USB audio interface. It looks like this. Uh, but in case if you can't see it well, I'll give you a better picture of it right there. Uh, it plugs into your computer via USB. It doesn't need any additional power source. It's powered over USB. And it has a stereo RCA input and a stereo RCA output. And it also has an optical output as well. Ooh. And the, the cool thing about this little device, and I use a couple of these right now, is this is how I bring in 
uh, audio uh, from uh, for, from Joe, for example, into my soundboard. Uh, Mr. Chase. Yes, Chris. Uh, question. Yeah. Uh, you have a sound card built into your motherboard. Yeah. It, why wouldn't you just use the sound card built into your motherboard? Because you've already paid for that. That's a great question. Well, the first thing is the sound card on my motherboard it usually only has a three, you know, maybe a, what, mm. that three-eighth inch jack. It doesn't yeah. give me RCA outputs. Right. You mean the man's outputs. The man's. <laughs> right. The other problem that you might run into with some certain machines is even if you're using all. even if you're using a, a, a filter, uh, you know, like one of these that I have right here, a mm-hmm. ground loop isolator, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you will still hear that that system noise. Yeah. You'll hear your hard, hard drive, drive because of the the card that's physically into your system. Yep. The cool thing about this device is you get a straight straight digital interface, and it it breaks audio. it out right. It, it does. It, it removes yeah. the it. It's physically removing the electrical components away from the other electrical components that cause interference. Yes. It comes down to a, it comes down to just isolation and moving the sound components away from the other components in your machine yep. to get better sound. Yep. And uh, the the great thing too is it doesn't require separate power. Ah. And the best part it's really, really cheap. Oh. You can get this on Amazon Prime uh, with, you know, 2-day shipping. For free for twenty five bucks. Nice, Chase. Nice. So I have a couple of these. They also come in designer red if you wanted these. But if you're uh, a musician and you want to say record gu- guitar playing and you want to get your guitar into your computer, nope. RCA jacks way to go. This is the way to do it. And you can actually adjust the adjust the volume oh. and uh, there's monitor and you can plug in your headphones. Now, to how it. does that work in Windows? You just plug that bad boy. Plug in? and play. That that Windows operating system just automatically detects gives it, huh? you gives you the driver. You can download Behringer specific wow. driver for this, but you don't need and to. And Behringer is a well known name for like soundboards, all kinds yep. of sound inter- yep. devices. Yep, and so cool. the best thing I love about it really is the price. You can't beat thirty dollars or less. Um, I know uh, some professional gamers will use this kind of device if they want to use their own headphones like say these uh, parasonis like this and they they want a, a separate kind of interface the non interfere you know i've had a buddy who yeah. uh, he 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 puts he's got a, he's got his headphones plugged into his to the audio jack on his pc right and then he's got he's skyping with his friends that he's playing with the whole time he's on a separate skype on a separate interface on a separate interface yep and he's using the separate usb interface for his skype and that's another thing too uh, a lot of people who may want to do uh, like a uh, I would say kind of like a mix minus in a way without a soundboard. Yeah, exactly. If you have two interfaces, you can set Skype to a second interface. Yep. And this is a cheap way. So so this is $30, okay? Or you could spend uh, <laughs> $100. I, I don't know if it's yeah. $100 anymore, but this is a Sound Blaster USB sound card. Right, yeah, the creative okay? deal, yeah. This you know, this gives you so many inputs and outputs, but this, I think last time I checked, was, I, I don't remember. 145 something was, like that. Uh, yeah, I don't know what ridiculous. it is now, but yeah. when it was new, that's yeah. about, it was almost 200 when yeah. it was brand new. So uh, we'll have an Amazon link in our show notes. So if you use that link, uh, we'll always try to point it to the cheapest. But if you find one cheaper, that's great. But if you use our link, a uh, portion of that will help us uh, support the show. Uh, but uh, I love it. It's the UCA202. And if you want one in red, they also make them in red. I totally, you know, as an audio person, I totally I recommend anything that gets the sound outside the motherboard. Yes. Absolutely recommend yes. it. Unless you have a, like a really good motherboard. Nope. You might. I've bought I've bought three hundred dollar motherboards with the ultimate sound system. That you mean just, you did, but you didn't have the fatality. I tell you, audio. Man, I have spent money oh, trying to. You fix You didn't this. upgrade to the fatality audio. I have yeah. spent money trying to fix. I built a PC <laughs> all around audio recording, and then I ended up buying an external USB sound card. I spent serious money trying to fix this problem. You just do it. Did you just say fatality, Joe? No, no, no. Fa- <laughs> I would never. I would never. Fake-tality. Ever besmirch factality that way? Okay. That's too funny. Um, That's too funny. That would be wrong for you to do that, Joe. I no, just... I would. I would never 
Never. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I really like Factality and all he represents. Factality is a really great system. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Well, what a great show this week, you guys. And that about wraps things up. Uh, I want to say a big thank you to all of our guests that we've had this week, starting off with this guy first here in the studio, Mr. Chris Fisher. And why sure. don't you... Take a minute and tell people where they can find you, well, what you do for chase. a living. Let's let's just cut through the let's just cut through let's the cut, chase here. Let's cut to the chase. Cut yeah. to the chase, right? Yeah. Uh, people should go check out the Unfilter Show because it stars you and I. Oh, and, uh, shameless plug. Go over to JupiterBroadcasting.com and listen to it Unfilter and learn a little something. And here's a screenshot of our, our last episode, episode 31, which was uh, named Cliffhanger. Great job on the Photoshop. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I love it. Inspired by my art director, uh, Mr. Chase Nunes. It is uh, Obama hanging from a cliff. (laughs) And if you want to know what's really going on with the fiscal cliff and what the real story is there, you can watch that episode. Great show. And you know what's funny is it's almost a tragedy because there's so much more than what the title even suggests. Yeah. There's so much involved in that. Yeah. uh, And also, one for your audience that might be hit is our violent video games episode. That's right. That was, uh, here it is, Killer Video Games episode number uh, 30. Yeah. Yeah, where we kind of tackled the whole are are these violent video games responsible for the, some of these shootings we've seen recently, and also we kind of looked at the media's angle on trying to pin the blame on video games and sort of maybe you know other things that are going on. So I, I really thought that was a great episode. Are you on Twitter as well? Twitter.com slash Chris L A S. And you you tweet outside the realm of of fun. I do. You know, I tweet our show stuff. I I also every now and then I I try to respond. I can respond to a lot more tweets than I can emails. So if people have any questions or they have any suggestions, go to twitter.com slash chrislas. Hit me up. But you can also just see the feeds of some of our announcements and stuff like that. Awesome stuff. John Bubb, you uh, you you blog and and you do stuff with, with GFQ. You're, you're their technical director. I am GFQ. Come on. Let's you face are, it. That, I, I should face it. You are Andrew Zarian. The network. <laughs> the network. You are the network. That, you know, that's your name from now on. John, the, the network. network. <laughs> you are the network. <laughs> uh, but uh, but in all honesty, uh, when you're not doing GFQ, uh, what else are you doing? Or where, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Suncast. That's Suncast with a K, not a C. And you can also find my music blog, which is Amadeus, A-M-A-D-A-I-S. Dot com. I go on YouTube. There's a lot of people on YouTube that do like cover songs, and they're really, really good. So I like to find some of the great ones out there, put them on a website so that everybody can, everybody can discover them. Is suncast.com yours too? Yes, it is. I didn't know that. Well, there you go. Yep. I don't put much on there other than crap, though. So <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait to hype yourself up, man. It's basically just links to me on Tech News Weekly. So oh, that's true enough. Tech News Weekly. Did you guys have a show on Friday? Well, we did not. I think we're back this week, though. Sweet. Can't wait for that. I, I, I occasionally moonlight on that show, too. Mm-hmm. Joseph. We're actually looking to have a, a oh. few more guests on this year, too. Oh, that'd be nice. Like like who? Like like Leo Laporte? and uh, Just to everybody in general. We want to have more guests this year than ever before. Than ever before. Yeah. That's a, that's a New <laughs> Year's. Not that it's a high bar to have more guests on our show. I was but... going to say, that sounds like a New Year's resolution if I ever did hear one. Yeah, I guess you could call it that. <laughs> Joseph Falby, my awesome friend and co-host of the number one video games podcast in the video games category on iTunes. But I'm bump. Joseph Falby. And Joe, uh, hey, Joe. Joe, Joe, Joe. Hey, Joe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, during the week, uh, where can people find you? 
Uh, well, usually I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> I meant on the internet. Oh, well, uh, I do have a Twitter account, but I pretty much never use it. It's at Falby. Or you can always email me through the show, josephgeekgamer.tv. I generally will respond to some things. I like how difficult Joe's being at the end of the show. <laughs> he's like, he's making you work for this ending chase. You know what, though? I, I love Joe's Twitter page. It's as simple as it can get. Joseph, and then at Falby underneath, Newberg, yep. Oregon. That's it. Nothing nice. else. Not even a link to, not even the homepage set to Minecraft me. It's just Joseph Falby. Newberg, I can I can change those things. It should I be. Should, yeah, should you know what you got to put in there, Joe, is lightsaber owner. <laughs> but I, I don't have any lightsabers. I hear your lightsaber right now. But he did take a uh, picture of the space shuttle. I did. Uh, yeah, the last thing I did was took a photo of the space shuttle. There's Endeavor. Um, when I was down there in California. Ouch, Sunset. Joe, how do you top that? I think you got to wait till you can top that. You can't post well, you I have top a, I have a whole bunch of pictures of the space shuttle uh, that I took with more than just my iPhone. Yeah, so, but that's uh, played out. Now you got to top that by like going to DC or you need to do something else momentous. I mean, if you, CES. if like you just tweet about like a sandwich, that's going to be disappointing at this point. Well, well, you'll be gratified to know I have never in my life tweeted about a sandwich. Okay, so, good man. Uh, that's not going to be a problem. Good man, good and man. Speaking of sandwiches, I'm getting hungry. Uh, <laughs> uh, you guys, if you want, uh, I don't know why you would, but you can. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. I tweet every day. Uh, I was tweeting a lot today about the football game, the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, who would want to? Who would want to miss that? The Washington Redskins. So, something about hand egg? What hand egg? Yes. You should tweet about a lightsaber. That's, that's soccer, right? That's soccer. Also, by the way, you guys, you can head over to our website at geekgamer.tv where you can find all of our previous episodes of Geek Gamer Weekly, Minecraft Me. We have we have an awesome, awesome community of forums that is always vibrant and always going strong, as well at geekgamer. TV. And hey, uh, one final note, just l- let everybody know, we are now on a new channel on YouTube, so if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to us, youtube.com slash geekgamernetwork, all one word, youtube.com slash geekgamernetwork, and we appreciate it if you would subscribe to that, and you don't have to su- subscribe to my personal channel anymore if you don't want to. That's it, you guys. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll have special live coverage of the Podcast Awards tomorrow, Monday, the 7th of January. And if you can't make it that, make it to that, our next live show will be Thursday night for another edition of Minecraft Me. For Mr. Joseph Falby, John Bubb, and my guest here in the studio, Chris Fisher, my name is Chase Nunes. Until we all talk again, we are all silent. And since John is not here, hey, Joe, say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie.